It is so good uh, to see all of you and uh, just a blessing to be here this morning and, and open up the word uh, of God. Uh, if you wanted to go ahead and, and open to the book of Acts, you could do that and hang out there for a little bit. Uh, as, as Charlie mentioned earlier, uh, both t- today and next Sunday, we're going to spend a little bit of our time just as a church uh, looking outward. And so there are so many different uh, aspects of life that the Bible tackles that we could uh, be constantly getting into new things all, all the time. Uh, because uh, God's word is just so instructive for every area of life. But one of the things we want to uh, make a commitment to as a church, as a regular part of what we do, is to make sure our lives, our hearts, uh, our church body is oriented to the fact that um, um, because we have received the grace of God into our own lives, there is this progression that is supposed to happen in accordance with the word of God, that when we have received something, we are supposed to be conduit of it to the world around us. And a reality is that although uh, God has blessed us and uh, put us in uh, the great state of Texas and specific to Arlington, that there are churches all over Arlington, that this morning, collectively, thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ are praising the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many places in our world where that is not a reality. And so as the people of God, as his church, as the called out ones who have received the message of grace, God has also given us the responsibility of his word to take it out into the world around us. And so as you can see on the screen, we've just entitled uh, these next two weeks very simply, Reach. And so if you've uh, been around Park Springs for a while, you know how we articulate our mission here as a church is to discover life in the power of God's grace and to share his life-changing grace with others. And so that is uh, kind of our heartbeat as a church, what we want to be about because of what we have received. We want to be extensions of that. And so uh, as a church, we, um, you know, we make plans, we strategize, we have ministries that we hope are accomplishing that mission in the way that God has called us to. And we kind of come around these ideas, okay, like if this is God wants us, what, want, what he wants us to do here in Arlington, Texas, like how can we actually accomplish that as a church? And so you know that at the beginning of 2021, we actually kind of laid out a strategic plan of what we had been praying about as a church. Okay, God, this is what you've called us to. What are the things we need to focus on? And one of the aspects of that plan that we are going to continue to beat the drum on over and over and over again, that as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, how we need to specifically engineer our lives is to be specific and intentional about reaching out on mission. That's what we want to be about as a church. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, how God has called us specifically here at Park Springs, this body, and uh, just to offer some reminders about what that means to live an outward-focused life and be a church that reaches the world around us. So if you're in the book of Acts, go ahead and go to chapter 11. That's where we're going to start off this morning, because uh, we have this in- incredible uh, example within Scripture of how God uses His church, the church of Jesus Christ, His followers the people that have been called into a relationship with him, how God has um, used this body to be an extension of his word into the whole world. So if you look about halfway down through the chapter, um, down to verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, that's where we're going to get started. So verse 19 says this, 
Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. And so I love that we have this uh, story of this church, and uh, you hear a, a bit more about this church later on in the book of Acts that we're going to look at, but one of the things that I, that I love as we read this narrative on how this church got started is that so often when we look into the scriptures or we think about how the word of God gets spread, so often I have found as I've interacted with brothers and sisters in Christ, it is really easy for us to disqualify ourselves that the spreading of the word of God is kind of for the elite Christians, just the few, uh, maybe pastors, maybe missionaries, uh, maybe somebody who's just a lot farther along in their faith. And it's just like this, um, um, this um, uh, attitude we can put on ourselves that uh, I couldn't be one of those people that spreads the word of God or starts a church or starts a movement for Jesus. But I love that right here, we don't even get the names of the people that started the church in Antioch. So if you kind of remember back a few more chapters earlier in Acts, what's happening is, what, is when the Holy Spirit first falls on the people of God in Acts chapter 2, and uh, all of the believers are there in Jerusalem, and now they realize like, okay, this is what Jesus said was going to happen. When he ascends to the Father, the Spirit is going to fall, and then Jesus said, you will receive power to be my witnesses into the whole world, and then they all hang out in Jerusalem. But then if we get into Acts chapter 11, what it says there in that first verse in verse 19, they were scattered because of the persecution. And so although they had been in Jerusalem, most of the people that identified as Jesus were all in one place. This persecution forced them out into all these different areas. And so it's saying that, hey, some of these people who had placed their faith in Jesus, not one of the apostles, not one of the people we have named in the New Testament, just followers of Jesus everyday men and women, they got sent back to the places they had been from. And so it mentions those areas they're getting spread out to because of this persecution. And then I love that it says that uh, there's also this transition that begins to happen because the people who are following Jesus realize that it's not just for ethnic Jews anymore. And so they begin, as they get into the city called Antioch, they begin to preach the word of God, as it says, to Hellenists, which just means Greek-speaking people, non-Jewish people. And this church springs up. So we don't know who started this church. We don't know who preached the first sermon there. We don't know who uh, led the first uh, Bible study in this area. But followers of Jesus 
were faithful to be witnesses to what they had seen and what they had heard, and God blessed that, and people got saved because of it. And so I love that that's what's taking place right here. It says the hand of the Lord was with them. And so then uh, Christians just begin to hear about this work that's going on in Antioch. Word gets back to Jerusalem saying, hey, God's doing a work in Antioch. Even non-Jewish people are putting their faith in Jesus. And so they're like, hey, we want to go where God's at work. So they send Barnabas there to see what's happening. And he, um, uh, being a bit farther along in his faith, begins to offer instruction. And then I love that it says like, hey, God's doing something cool. So Barnabas goes and gets Saul, who we know later will... Uh, change his name to Paul and write a lot of our New Testament. So uh, Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch for a year, just teaching people what it means to follow Jesus. And this church grows strong. And I love that in Antioch, it's actually where people first begin to be called Christians, which means little Christ. And so even before then, Christians uh, had this uh, simple term, like people on the outside just called them the way because they lived their life in a specific way that was different than the world around them. But in Antioch, that church grew so strong that the term Christian came about the little Christ, the followers of Jesus were strong in the city of Antioch. And I think that's just such an incredible witness we have that it wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just the 12 men we know that hung out with Jesus, the ones in our New Testament that we can name, but this church was started and promulgated by people who were just faithful to bear witness to what they had seen, what they had heard, what Jesus had done for them personally. Nobody had a seminary degree. Nobody had gone through a formal missionary training. They just were telling people about what Jesus had done for for them, and God blessed it, and a church was established. So we're going to skip a little bit farther ahead um, and look at another aspect of this church in, in chapter 13 of Acts. So as it said at the end of 11, Paul and Barnabas had been there for a year helping teach and equip and train them to understand what it means to know and follow Jesus. And then we get the beginning of, of chapter 13. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. I love that. We're going to stop right there with this story about Antioch. And so we know that church springs up, God blesses it, people get saved, people are are being discipled. Uh, They have Paul, they have Barnabas doing this work of equipping, of teaching the word of God so that people are growing in their faith and growing to maturity. And so we have about a year later, you know, you can just tell from the narrative that's going on that God is doing a stirring in this church. And so what does it say? It says they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And so if you're kind of familiar with that Christian practice, oftentimes as a church collectively, we might call ourselves together to say, hey, we are going to take a period of time to fast, to avoid food because we want to seek the Lord and ask him what he wants us to do. And so that's what I believe is happening. Hey, they've had a year of thriving ministry. God's blessing it. People are getting saved. People are being discipled and God's stirring something in their midst. And so they take this period of time. They're praising God and they're fasting, asking God, what do you want us to do, Lord? And then this is what he says. He says, set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And so what does the church do? They are faithful and obedient. Maybe Paul was their favorite preacher. They didn't care. They said, hey, God said, we need to set you aside for this greater work that's going on in the world. And so it said they laid hands and prayed on them and then sent them out. And let me just tell you, this progression that we see with Antioch 
God has been doing in churches for centuries to continue the spread of the gospel to the world that desperately needs to know about Jesus Christ. And so I would say this, as we see in the church of Antioch, if a church is seeking the Lord, that church becomes a sending church. A seeking church always becomes a sending church. And so you can see this progression that is happening, that people have placed their faith in Jesus. And so we see uh, conversions happening. And then we see that the apostles send some people to train them. So we see discipleship happening, that people learn what it means to uh, follow Jesus with their whole life, of putting sin to death, of learning the scriptures, of growing in this closeness and relationship with Jesus. So we see discipleship happening. And where discipleship happening, multiplication happens. More people are drawn in to experience this goodness of what people have. They want to know what those Christians are about because they live a different way of life. And so where we see multiplication happening, what inevitably happens where God's people are focused on the word of God, are growing in their faith, God is going to call out people to be sent to a place where that's not happening. And I love, and if we had more time, we could nerd out about just Christian history, but there are so many different times and pockets and places where churches and the people of God got around this idea and started praying for God to do something amazing in their time. And inevitably that always led to God telling people, hey, there's a church here. There's not a church in this country. There's not a church in this people group. There are places that do not know the name of Jesus. You need to send some of your people that have experienced the goodness of your church, and they need to go start a church somewhere else. It's how the message of God goes into the whole world, that the people of God are seeking him and being willing to send and being willing to go and being willing to say yes to whatever God has for them. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 10, just a couple of, couple of pages over, if you will. Because we see this progression show up in Scripture again. So Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so what we know from the word of God is that when people hear the good news of Jesus, that can uh, be how the Holy Spirit sparks in their heart to place their faith in him. But what it's saying right here is how are they supposed to place their faith in someone they've never heard of? Because faith comes from hearing, as the word of God tells us. And it says, how are they supposed to hear about him unless somebody preaches to them? So unless somebody goes out to them. And it's how is that person supposed to preach the good news to Jesus if people have never heard unless that person is sent? Because churches that seek Jesus Christ inevitably are churches that send out workers into the harvest. Um, after my first year of college was the first opportunity I ever got uh, to go on an overseas mission trip. I was really excited for it, and so God had been doing a lot in my life uh, in that first year of college uh, of just teaching me a lot about what it meant to live in outward faith. So I had signed up for this summer-long mission trip, and then uh, came the dreaded cycle of fundraising. Um, and so being a 19-year-old college student, I didn't have $3,000 to send myself on mission, and so I was sending support letters, and uh, me and my roommates were selling selling blood plasma and just doing anything we could. Um, that's a different story. Anything we could to, to make this happen. 
so in the dorm I was living in at UTA, uh, there was another student that I knew not very well, just kind of in passing. We had played ping pong a couple of times, and he was an international student from Nigeria. And he approached me one day, and he said, Jared, I heard you're going on a mission trip. I was like, yeah, that's true. He said, well, I'm a part of this house Bible study. Would you come to the Bible study and tell us about your trip? I said, sure, absolutely. You know, we hadn't really talked on that level about matters of faith, but I was pretty excited. Um, So he invited me and uh, told me the address. So I showed up, um, and there was about eight or nine people in this little apartment. Um, Everybody was either straight from Africa or of African-American descent. And so um, they did their Bible study, and then at the end, they're like, hey, would you share with us about your trip coming up? And I told them about the things I knew, what was going to happen, and things like that. I didn't even say anything about uh, the fundraising. So I got done uh, kind of sharing uh, what I felt led to share, and then um, uh, the guy that invited me, his name was Oakham, he said... Um, when my dad was a little boy in Nigeria, Billy Graham came to Nigeria and did a crusade, and that was where my dad met Jesus. And if it hadn't been for that, I would not know about Jesus. And I know that Billy Graham would have not been able to go to Nigeria unless people had paid to send him. So we need to help and give money to help send Jared on this mission trip. And it was such a powerful testimony to me of how the word of God gets lived out When people are seeking God, they inevitably become a sending people. And so how are people supposed to place their faith in someone they've never heard? And how are they supposed to hear unless somebody preaches to them, unless somebody proclaims, unless somebody is willing to be a witness? And how are they to be a witness to the ends of the earth unless they are sent? And so as we see this narrative played out all through the New Testament, and if we look back in history and we see uh, the movements of God that have taken root in different places all over the world, I know for myself, being a pastor at this church and caring about these things, you know, I want us to be a church that that matters to. You know, it's been uh, quite a while since I, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, kind of find a church since God called me here. But, you know, even moving into college when I was trying to first time kind of out of my parents' house and I was trying to pick a church to belong to um, for myself, that's always been something I've wanted to be a part of is a church that's ascending church a church that focuses on the Great Commission, a church that is not focused inwardly on just ourselves, but the fact that there is a whole world out there with billions of people who don't even know the name of Jesus that feel the condemnation of their sin and do not know that there is a solution, that there is a Savior that died for them. So we want to be a part of that as a church. We want to uh, be strategic in the fact that we need to reach out on mission, both in the communities around us where God has placed us in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, specific to Arlington, Texas, but also to the end of the world. And so as a church, this is how we articulate it. So like I said, if you were here when we kind of launched our strategic plan, one of our points is to reach out on mission. And so this is how we articulate it here at Park Springs that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation by God. Therefore, each person is charged to take the message of Jesus into the places God has placed them with, both their words and actions. God's plan is global, and we get to participate in telling the message of Jesus both in our own communities, but also to places all over the world where people do not know Jesus. And so that's what we want to be about as a church. I love, there's a pastor named J.D. Greer in North Carolina who is very missionally focused, and uh, he said it like this. Without the mission, a church is not a church. It's just a group of disobedient, disobedient Christians hanging out on Sundays. And I believe that. 
God has entrusted to us his message. And an aspect of our growth in faith in Jesus Christ is being witnesses to the goodness we have received in him. And so, uh, once again, specific to us, as a church, we have been working towards these ends uh, since our beginning. And so I've, I've only been around Park Springs for nine years. But if you uh, continue to look back to the founding of our church back in 1979, we were planted here in this neighborhood because uh, Pantego Bible Church saw that a growth was happening on this side of town. Uh, Park Springs, the road wasn't even here yet. It was just a plan that there was going to be subdivisions coming in and a group of Christians got together and started praying and planted this church specifically in this area so that we would be a witness in South Arlington over 40 years ago, which is just incredible. And so continually as a church, we um, have been doing this and are going to continue doing this. And so right now as a church, how we specifically reach out globally on missions is really in two different ways. One, as a church, we support missionaries. So God has called out specific people to go. And I know not all of us are called to um, leave our country of origin and go into other places, but believers have been for centuries and will continually be called out to go. And so uh, for us, part of our role as a church, if we are not called to pack up and move to another country, what we are called to do is be ascending church. And so as a church right now, there are multiple missionary couples that we support financially through in the work that God has called them to. So I just want you to know if you have ever tithed here at the church, given a portion of what God has given you, part of that money every single month goes to supporting the work of spreading the gospel all around the world. And so I just want to, in some ways, fill you in about the work God has been doing and that we get to be a part of right now. And so I want to introduce you uh, to the missionaries that currently we are supporting financially. And I know a lot of you, if you've been around Park Springs, you, you know these people, you know their names, their faces, but I know some of you, this might be new information. So I just want you to know how we as a church are continuing the mission. Um, we support every month Dean and Joan Collar, and we have been supporting them uh, since 1984. Uh, they currently work on projects in Nicaragua and Kenya with Crossway International. So every single month, uh, we help support them. We also support Rod and Pam Kinch, and we have been supporting them since 1981. And they are serving the Uriti people of Colombia with Wycliffe Bible translators, helping translate the word of God into their heart language. Uh, we support John and Ruth Carr, who are members here of our church, and we've been supporting them since 2002. They also serve with Wycliffe Bible Translators here in Dallas, Texas. We support Ray and Ruth Ann Gurrell, and we've been supporting them since 1980. Uh, they spent 30 years in France, and now God has brought them to Arlington, and they reach out to the international students at UTA with Crossworld International. Uh, we support Rick and Diana Wilson, and we've been supporting them since 1988. And they uh, currently have projects that they are working on both in Kenya and Myanmar with World Venture. Uh, just this past year, we got to send out as a church Daniel and Kim Irving. So we've been supporting them since 2020, and they are serving with Greater European Mission in Scotland. Uh, we also have um, some connections in our body to Ryan and Michaela, and we began supporting them financially in, in 2020, although we've been praying for them and supporting them in their mission way longer, and they serve with pioneers. 
So those are every single month, if you give to the church, just know that a portion of the money you give every single month goes straight out the door to help support the work of the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. And that's just one of the ways we as a church are ascending church is that financial gift that happens. But there's tons of other projects we support. We have uh, both prayerfully and with emotional support and sometimes through one-time gifts. Uh, There's a young man from our church who's currently serving orphans in Russia. Uh, If you saw Alma read the scriptures, that's through a connection we have with uh, projects in Albania that we've been sending teams to do evangelism in Albania. Uh, There are so many of you in our body that uh, is not organized by Park Springs, but so many use their gifts and how God has wired them to support this message. Uh, We have uh, members that are physical therapists that have been going to Cuba uh, every couple of years in helping um, people that are bound in wheelchairs just experience the love of Jesus through being fit into a wheelchair. Uh, We do local outreach all the time. There's so many people in our body that serve in a capacity in the world around us because we have latched on to this reality that when you're seeking God, you become a place that sins. And so that's how we have done this through supporting missionaries, through missions projects that you can participate in. And that's how we're going to continue to do it. As a church, we are praying continually that God would call out people from our body that say yes to whatever he asks of them. And if it means moving to someplace difficult, awesome, we're going to be behind you. If it means they need to step out into our communities and be vocal about the faith we have in Jesus Christ, awesome, we want to pray for you. And so we are going to continue to send out missionaries as long as we have money, as long as God continues to gift us with resources, as long as we're continuing to seek the Lord and God is calling out people for his purposes. We want to be a church that sins, and I hope we send even more and more as time goes on. That's an incredible legacy of faith, and I'm just praying and asking God, do more. Call out more people for yourself. Help us be a place that sins. And that's an important role all of us have to fulfill as a church. We need to be a sending church, and that's going to take um, effort and desire, and that's going to take generosity, and that's going to take intentional prayer. Uh, I, I love the story of William Carey, who you might be familiar with. He's kind of credited with launching the modern missions movement, and by modern, I mean late 1700s. And so in England, uh, the Baptist communities had gotten around the word of God. And for a while, from those communities of faith, um, there wasn't the idea of a missionary. Nobody had gone out in a really long time. And so some people were praying, and they were looking at the word of God and what they knew about the world at the time. Like, hey, there is obviously some places, don't have churches, don't have Christians. We should go to those places. But for them, it was all new. And so uh, right now, if you just Google like how to be a missionary, you would probably come up with tons of resources on how to get your visa, how to find a sponsoring agency, how to support raise. That was all new for them. And so I love William Carey and the people around him. Uh, They had decided that God was calling him to India and they didn't even know like what that looked like. They hadn't been raising support in churches. That was all new. And I love there's this quote about that time before they sent William Carey to India that they felt like the idea of going on missions, of going to a place where Jesus was not named, it was like going down into a well that nobody had investigated. And what William Carey said to his friends was, hey, I'll go down into the well if you'll hold the rope. 
And some of his friends for the next 40 years continually traveled all over England telling them about the work that William was doing in India and how people were coming to faith in Jesus and raising funds so that he could continue to do the work God had called him to. So if we want to be a church that is ascending church, that is seeking the Lord about how to reach the world around us, it's going to take all of us pulling together and realizing that every single one of us has a role to play in the message of God going into the whole world. The question is not if we have a role to play, but if we're willing to play it. No one is exempt because God has equipped every single one of you uniquely to fulfill his purpose in the world around us, and you need to get your head around that idea. So one of the things I I wonder often, um, just as as a follower of Jesus, but also as a pastor, is that I think our default And when I talk to people, what I hear a lot is um, kind of this mindset like, okay, I'll go if God really tells me to go. And what I wonder what it would do for us as a church is if we realize that God has already told us to go. Like it's in his word. I mean, we quote it a lot, Matthew 28. It says, therefore, go. And I just wonder how God would use our body, specific in Park Springs, if our default was not, I'll go if God tells me to go, but our default was, I'll go until God tells me to stay. And I know for myself, that's something I've had to wrestle a lot with with the Lord, because um, there have been times in my life where I just wanted to get out the door, buy the first plane ticket, and God continually has told me to stay. And I just uh, pray for us as a church that if we um, mean the things we sing and the things we say about how good Jesus has been to us, if our default would be to go until God tells us, no, you're supposed to stay. And if we have experienced the grace of God in our lives, but are not being a conduit of that grace to others, I would just ask you why? If you truly have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, is there not that pull in your heart for others to experience the same goodness that you have? And so as a church, could we just commit together to be seeking the Lord, to be a place that sends our best, to be a people that give generously, to be students of what's going on in the world, to learn, to pray, and to ask the Lord, not if I should go, but where I should go. And so I would just challenge you in that regard. If you have been following Jesus for a number of years, and if you've never actually asked him if you're supposed to be somewhere else, I would encourage you to do that this week. That if that's never been a prayer you've prayed, that if you've just made decisions and then had Jesus as an aspect of your life, I would encourage you to actually take the time as a family, as couples, as individuals, and ask God, is this where I'm actually supposed to be? You know, I love that God says in his word that he appoints our times and places of where we live so that people would seek him and find him. And so if we took the attitude that our yes is on the table, that wherever God calls us, we're willing to go because you have a church that's behind you is going to support you every step of the way. I just wonder how God might use our body here at Park Springs for his glory and our good and for the good of the world around us. Would you pray with me?